Amen. Good to see all of you here at the One New Mercy. I see some old faces visiting. Welcome. Um, I see some new faces, I guess, who haven't been coming out for a while, but faces that I know. Good to see all of you. I'm glad that you joined us for worship today, especially um, as we look forward to the beginning, a new beginning of 2018 tonight. Um, I hope that you've been doing a lot of reflecting and thinking about this previous year, about things that we need to grow more in, or things that we need to thank God more in, or as we saw in the videos, all the just blessed, joyful, growing, healing times that we've spent, whether it's through here at New Mercy Community or elsewhere. Um, As we reflect today, uh, we will give thanks to God, and we really want to take this time to invite the Spirit to help us to remind ourselves and to reflect well of the 2017 year. Uh, So as we begin and as we dive into the Word, let us pray one more time as we invite the Spirit to come join us in this worship. Lord, we thank You. We love You. Your love is unending and everlasting, and for that we, we just give You all glory and honor. Lord, as we dive into Your Word today, May your spirit move. May you join us. May you move us. May you help us to see and reflect well of this previous year as we move forward. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Look, I know it's the 31st of December, and tomorrow it's the new year, and I know that Christmas already has passed. But there's part of me that always wants to hold on to Christmas a little longer. Um... It's not because of the gifts or just a celebration, but I just feel like we wait and wait in anticipation of this one day celebrating Christ's birth, and then as soon as it passes, the 25th, we're quick to move on to the new year. One thing I really like about Christmas is the fact that people who love each other and care for each other gather together, and when we gather Um, as I've been going to a lot of these gatherings throughout the week, um, there's a lot of you who have Christmas trees set up at homes. In fact, in our town, uh, there's a Christmas tree lighting celebration. I know a lot of towns have that. I know that a lot of you went to Rockefeller Center. I know some of the families from 1030 who went last week with their kids, and they said they were like, one of the guys described it, it was like March of the Penguins. They were just like jam-packed, so many people. there to watch the lighting of the tree. And there's something beautiful about the the tree decoration and what it really means. But whether it's a public display of, of the Christmas celebration through decorating the tree or it's a private one, there's a common factor in all of these Christmas tree lighting. And that is that in most of the homes that I visit, And most, if not all of the places that I visit publicly, the Christmas tree lighting always ends with the star being placed on top of the tree. Here in the U.S. and many elsewhere in the world, when we set up Christmas tree, it is decorated with the Christmas star right at the top. There's something about the star that completes the picture of the Christmas tree. As if we, if we remove the tree, if we remove the star, the tree almost looks naked or empty. 
There's something missing. We place that star right on top and we can wipe our hands and say, that is done. It is done and it looks beautiful. Christmas tree and Christmas star, they just go hand in hand. But today in Matthew's account of the Christmas story, there is no tree. There is just a star. In Matthew's account in chapter 2 of the Christmas story, the nativity story, there are no trees for the star to land on top of. In fact, the star is all you get. Right at the center of the story. As the three wise men in, <clears throat> who are foreigners who are traveling into Jerusalem, looking at the star and following the star to see where it will lead them. We see in Matthew's account this Christmas star shining brightly ever so, smack at the center of his story. And we see the three wise men following it. This star in this story is the GPS in which the three wise men follow in order to get to the Messiah, the new king of the Jews. And perhaps without the star, we will never have this story of the three wise men visiting and giving respect to the baby-born Jesus. And Matthew 2 describes the scene immediately after the birth of Jesus. And the three mysterious wise men from the east have traveled now miles and miles to find out where this new Messiah is being born. So think about it. There's three wise men. They're not even Jews. They've heard over the years of this Messiah that is to come to save this entire population. And they travel for days and days, miles and miles. And they finally get to King Herod. And it's interesting that the first place that they visit is actually King Herod. Perhaps it's to show him respect. The the king of the land, the current king. Or perhaps it's to get his permission. Or perhaps, as we read in the scripture, it's to ask King Herod for some directions. They go to King Herod and they ask, Hey, we are here because we know that there's this new king of the Jews who is to be born. And we're following this bright star. Right? That we couldn't deny that there's something going on. So we've been following it and we are here now. And we're going to go look for where the star will land and stop moving. And in their response, King Herod, it says, is frightened. And so is all of Jerusalem with him. So these three wise men, they follow the star, and the star is at the center, and they just keep following, following for days to see where it will land. Three wise men. And sometimes I wonder, why did it have to be three wise men? Why couldn't it be three wise women? You ever wonder that? What would the story, how would the story look different? If it was three wise women, I bet that they would have actually gotten there on time before the baby was born. They would have probably you know, brought some food for Mary, taking care of the baby so that she can rest a little bit. They would have probably um, helped clean up the stable, the manger, and they probably would have brought some practical gifts that the new couple can use instead of what the three wise men brought, which are like 
just weird things that now Mary and Joseph have to carry around for miles and miles on when they get kicked out from their land because King Herod's looking for them to kill them. But what we get in the story is what we get. Three wise men. Okay, they weren't perfect. But what they do bring to us is that they were truly wise. They were intellectual men. They were learned men. They were scientists, right? They knew their astrology and science, and they were wealthy. And they were foreigners. They weren't even Jews who were waiting for their own Messiah to come. And yet these foreigners hear about the Messiah, the Savior, to come. And through their story, with the little hope that they have, they see this bright star, and they start chasing after it. And they go days and days. They pack up their things, and they begin to travel. Imagine if you were the wise man. You're traveling without really no guarantee, without knowing how many days, how many weeks it will take to get there. And when you get there, there is no scientific guarantee that you will run into the Messiah, the Savior. And yet, they still pack up their things. And in hope, they go. And they follow this star. When we think about this star, it's easy to think that it would have led to something amazing and great, like Jesus' birth. But what we don't realize is, if we were to put ourselves during that time, we would have not seen the star that way. See, today we see the star as something bright, so amazing, so decorative, that we put on top of the Christmas tree and we revel at it. And we say, that is so amazing. That represents Jesus. That led the three wise men to Jesus Christ. It would have represented good news. But to the wise men during that time, everyone else other than the wise men, actually the star would have been bad news. We look at it today and say, star is amazing. We go towards the star. In fact, during that time, if we were to go back into time during the, when the three wise men were traveling, we would have probably more likely reacted just like King Herod and all of Jerusalem. And how did they react? It says they were frightened. King Herod, listening to the story of the star and going towards the new king of the Jews, he was frightened and all of Jerusalem as well. We forget that for most of human history, most people would have actually agreed, feeling frightened or scared. The word here in New Testament, in Greek, uh, signifies being disturbed or being troubled or to stir up, to agitate as water in a pool, to disturb with various emotions. And it makes sense. And there's historical evidence that when something so bright, so amazing is in the sky, they didn't look at it as good news, but something bad. Why were they frightened? Well, historically, here are a couple examples. The ancient historian Josephus noted that a star stood over the city of Jerusalem in 70 AD, right before its fall, before it got demolished. There were many who thought that the eruption of Mount Uh, Vesuvius in 79 AD had been caused by a comet, a star. Likewise, the appearance of a star in the sky over England in 1066, 
just before the battle of Hastings, was seen as dark omen of what's to come and many dark days in England history. Here in the U.S. in 1835, many historians have recorded and even blamed a star for the fall of the Alamo. To us today, the star is good news. To them, in their times, it's actually horrible news. So when we hear that Herod was frightened and all of Jerusalem with him, it makes sense. And it was all because some mysterious foreigners decided to come look for this Messiah in Jerusalem. We don't like our lives being disturbed too much. I mean, it made sense that King Herod would be frightened, not because he was a baby being born, and there wasn't even a crowd looking for him. And yet, something within Herod, when he heard from the three wise men, we are following this amazing star that we've never ever seen before, and we packed up all our things to go look for him. Something within Herod was stirred up, disturbed, frightened. And so was the rest of Jerusalem. Who knows what other constellation might collapse? Who knows that if we follow the star and we do find the Messiah, such amazing change will happen, but such disturbance in our lives. Constellation of work, constellation of family, relationship, everything as we know it in our life today might be turned upside down. And for that, all of Jerusalem was frightened, disturbed. The reason why this special star would have made everyone nervous and frightened is because they knew what it could mean, that it could mean big, massive, huge change in their lives. People would have doubted, questioned. They would have begun to worry They would have said something like, if all that we're used to right now collapses, where will that leave us? Who among us can say for sure that it will be better? We don't know. If everything changes, how will we know what to do? If this is a new beginning, what do I need to change and how do I need to behave and think differently? Change, to some degree, we want to invite it. But to this degree, as the signs of the star shows, as the history have shown, we don't like to be disturbed that much. But here's what the scripture says. For behold, I saw a new heaven and new earth. Behold, I am doing a new thing. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. Not some, not parts, but I will make all things new. Change. Therefore, if anyone be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So much of the scripture points to the changes, the renovating power of God, the Jesus Christ and the Spirit. And we proclaim this all the time. I want to change. I want to change in Jesus Christ. Cross, the cross just changed my life. But if we were to be really honest with each other, how many of us really want to change that much? 
Sometimes when we speak of the new, I think what we really mean is two things. Either, God, I want new. I want new beginnings. I want 2018 to be new. I want to be transformed. But just in these areas that I want. Not, not the other things. But just these things that I really want, I want it to change new. But all this stuff, the old, old fine. I'll just keep it. You know, I'm comfortable with it. Or when we say new, we tell God, God, we want, we want new beginnings. We want 2018 to be so new. I want to follow after your star. I want everything about my life to change. But not really. I'm just saying it because that's what we're supposed to say and that's what the scripture says. But what I really want is just be comfortable. I don't want to be stretched. I don't want to be challenged. Just, I'll be happy with the crumbs that you give me. Do you really want change? Do you really want to transform? Do you really want to be restored? Then, we have to follow the star that God gave us. Yeah, we might be frightened. There are no guarantees. But we see God's star, Jesus Christ himself, and we follow him. Not the numerous stars that we've created ourselves and said, this I will chase after 2017. This I will chase after 2018. And God, I just want you to help me to chase after these things. And yet God reminds us over and over again in our lives, that's not what I want you to chase after. That's not the star I gave you. Those are stars that you created. And they don't even shine bright. And you chase after it year in, year out. And we don't learn. God's saying, follow my star. Follow me. Chase after me. What have you chased after in 2017? Relationships? Job? Better salary? School? All great things. But if God is not the center of those stars, if God is not the one that we chase after, then the scripture is very point blank tells us that all is lost. You're following the wrong star. And therefore, we're telling God, I want change. I want to transfer. I want to be rejuvenated. And I want to change. I want restoration. But what we're really saying to God is, not really. I don't want to be restored the way you want me to be restored. I want to change. I don't want to change the way you want me to change. We don't want significant changes. We don't want to be made new. To be honest, deep down inside, we don't want that transforming restoration in our lives. Many of us. Here at New Mercy, when I came back last year from a sabbatical, I was fortunate enough to take my family to Korea for four months, and I had just come back. I remember I came back this week last year, and I attended the Christmas service. And I remember talking to the elders and the pastors about 2017. Hey, what are we doing for the new year? I know you made all these decisions without me. You know, what's going on? And they said, we have amazing, amazing changes. Right? What is it? Well, you know how our vision is church for the broken? New mercy, a church for the broken. 
Well, I know this was assumed, but I feel like we need to put it at the forefront. So what we added this year as a theme is call to restoration. Church for the broken, call to restoration. We're all called to be restored in God. But do you really want to be restored? Because restoration here means that there will be significant effort to change. Restoration here means that there will be difficulties, there will be some low times, there will be some struggles, there will be tears, and we have to stick with it and get through it and have grit and hold on to our Lord. Restoration here means that in our lives we'll be made new. means the old ways of doing things have to disappear. Old ways, old habits of chasing after our own stars that we've created, they need to be buried. And we need to see the true one star that God points our lives towards and say, God, I'm going to chase after you. What does that mean? Well, restoration means we will come face to face with our brokenness, and still chase after that star to meet, to greet, and encounter Jesus Christ. We have to face our brokenness. And even in the midst of it, we say, God, I'm still going to chase after you because I want to meet you. I want to greet you. And I want to be restored. Do you want that kind of restoration in 2018? The reality is, God wants more. You know, look, we all chase after things that's not of God or God himself. God wants more, though. He doesn't want us to be stagnant. He doesn't want us to go into the wrong paths. He sees us not in condemnation, in judgment. He wants us to see from his perspective where his heart is. Not to judge us, but to love us, to empathize with us, to tell us, I know what you're going through. And I want you to change. I want you to transform. I want you to be restored. What is chasing after God look like? It means that we must, we must care a lot about how God functions, how he perceives things, and where his heart moves, and why his heart breaks. 2017, God's heart broke. For many of you, it's not all. His heart was broken 2016, 15, 14. Because look, we're broken people. We have holes. We make mistakes. We are imperfect. But God sees us and his heart breaks. Once again, not because he's judging us, but he's saying, my heart breaks because I know what you're going through. and I want you to chase after me. I will take care of it. I will restore you. So his heart breaks. That's the Christmas story. That's why Jesus Christ came to us in human form, in flesh, to tell us, I became you to know you to know your struggles, to know your frustration, 
and your sadness and your joys and your concerns. So I will be with you again 2018. But will you look after me? Will you search for me? Will you chase after me? Will you put me at the center of your life? The bright shining star that will restore us. And if you do, if you truly desire that and we make the effort chasing after the Lord, be ready for some transformation 2018. God's heart breaks when He sees us because He loves us so much. He wants us to be restored. So I ask you, brothers and sisters, one more time, what did you chase after in 2017? Did that make you happy? Was that satisfying? Were there bunch of prayer requests that you, you gave to God and nothing was answered? Or perhaps some of you, you chased after God, that star, and you received God's answer. Maybe it's not perfectly the way you imagined it, but you received it. As we end out the year, I hope that we reflect really deeply about this past year. Not just to make ourselves feel guilty or just to make a list for 2018, but to really reflect and ask ourselves honestly, did I really chase after God? Or did I chase after so many other numerous stars that I've created for myself? And then ask, what do you want in the new year? What are you going to chase after? Let us pray. I want to spend just a few minutes praying together. New mercy. Will you see God's heart? Will you see how much He loves you? Will you see how much more He wants in your life? And do you not see the things of this world in your life that get in the way of seeing God, the true one star that we need in our life. Can we take this moment to just pray together? Let's reflect first. What did you chase after in 2017? What was so important this previous year? You're like, this I must have. This will define me. This will define this year. And ask yourself, did you place that before the Lord? Let's take just a few minutes to reflect about this previous year.
reflect upon 2017 and the things that we chase after, ask yourself this one more question. Do you think that really made God happy? Do you think God would see from above into our lives and say, you know what, I know what you're going through and I really do want you to chase after that. That thing that you're chasing after, it can be used for my kingdom, my glory, to serve others, to sacrifice, to share my grace with others. If the answer is yes, I hope that you continue to pray for and seek for those things in 2018. But if the answer is no, and you're unsure, I hope that you take this few minutes to just lay before the Lord and say, Lord, this thing that I've been chasing after this past year, I don't know. I don't know. Is it from you? Am I really wanting this thing to glorify your name? Am I really going to use it to build up the church and love and care for my brothers and sisters in Christ? Let us continue reflecting as we pray to our God.